0: where I have been. I went to Dublin, Ireland. Oh my god, it is beautiful. It was exactly what I needed. You know, someone asked me, "Why do you want to go to Dublin?" And I was just like, "I just want the green. I want to smell green." And they were like, "What does green smell like?" And I was just like, "Bright and fresh and not New York." You know, so I just wanted to get out, you know, and I wanted to treat myself for writing a book. During a pandemic, and this was my reward to myself, I had an incredible time. So uh, what did I do while I was there? Well, I did not do Hosier. I don't know where he was. I was looking for him. No, I really wasn't. I tried, you know, to reach his publicist and everything. But, you know, he's not taking any interviews. So I was devastated that I couldn't meet with him. But, you know, I breathed the same air as he did And that's good enough. But it would not be a trip without me having some dates. And (sighs) I cannot wait to go back. I loved Irishmen. The Irish charm is true. What I did, I set my dating app location to Dublin like a week before I went there baby. They were filling up my queue. I'm telling you. And it was (laughs) so lovely. So I strongly recommend you do that too. If you are a person who, you know, goes out on dates and wants to go get a little vacation, boo, set your dating application to that place that you're going, maybe a week or two. Start having conversations. You get to see who's out there. That way you're not surprised and you don't feel a little weird about like immediately hanging out with somebody, whatever. Talk to them. Figure out what you want to do and then do it once you get there. When I arrived in Dublin, I already had maybe like three dates on the menu. That's fine. I got to pick and choose what I wanted. I asked this one guy about weed, if it was legal in Ireland, because obviously I couldn't take any with me. I do indulge. I do enjoy weed here in New York where it is legal. So I asked him if weed was legal there and he said no, but people still smoke, of course. And now this dude had the... uh you know, the fortune, the pleasure of returning to my hotel room with me. And there was this like long cathedral like window that you could open up and it didn't have any screens on it. It wasn't a balcony, but it was still something you could open up to get fresh air. And so he opened that up and he was trying to see if maybe we could smoke you know, in my room, but I didn't want to chance it because the hotel was very lovely and I did not want to be arrested in a strange country. And luckily, I was able to distract him with some other drugs that I had, my boobs. And, you know, I didn't smoke the whole week that I was gone. And when I got back and settled in at home, I blazed and I got so high. It was so good because, you know, it's like my body had done like a little reset. It was fantastic, When all my friends were experimenting with drugs and alcohol back in high school and college, I mostly stayed away because there is a very long and sordid history of addiction in my family. And I had people who were just warning me away from this stuff. And I was always afraid that I would be the one to get like the lace joint and die. Um, So I didn't really feel comfortable Smoking and drinking until I was like in my mid 20s. But during the pandemic, I started smoking a lot more, and that has become my intoxicant of choice, I guess you could say. I use a lot of CBD balms and suppositories to help manage period pain. You know, I also just take it when I'm just like my brain won't stop running. I take an antidepressant, but sometimes that is not enough, it feels like. And so I will smoke and just feel a lot better. Cannabis does what I needed to do and I really don't need much else. I also don't I don't like drinking by myself and I feel like weed is something that I can do by myself. But in order to get to this point, I had to do a lot of research. I had to like figure out who I could trust, you know, to give me the products that I preferred and that kind of thing. All that research kind of helped settle my fears about things. It also made me examine the stereotypes and the perceptions of weed smokers like Who gets to be the funny stoner that gets to interview Martha Stewart? And who gets to be the person who's thrown in jail for life for having a single joint, right? So for today's show, I have Laura O.G., founder of Smoke Break, a site for women who smoke weed to learn about cannabis consumption through storytelling, events, and a lot more. Laura is an advocate for equity and diversity within the cannabis industry, and she hopes to normalize seeing women smokers as prominent figures in all discussions about weed. This episode is sponsored by Dipsy. Dipsy has sponsored a bunch of episodes of This Is Good For You. And we've told you about the boy meets girl, girl meets girl, and even the boy meets girl and they meet another girl. But along with Dipsy's short, sexy stories, users also have access to other content. There's wellness sessions and how-tos to learn, explore, and care for yourself. Bedtime stories that feature the classic Dipsy storytelling, but are less explicit, so you can let your mind wander and soundscapes with calming sounds to drift off to, like ocean waves or rain. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash thisisgood. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D slash thisisgood. dipsystories.com slash thisisgood.
1: I am Laura Ochi. I am the founder of Smoke Break, which is a I call it a safe haven for women who enjoy weed. It's my mission with Smoke Break to destigmatize the whole thing around cannabis and, and women. Apparently 61% of women like to hide their use in the fear of being judged from friends and families. So Smoke Break is that place to not only say, hey girl, it's okay to smoke, or consume, however you choose to consume. But it's also a place where I try to educate women around cannabis so that they can be educated, conscious consumers. And on top of that, we try to blend music and weed together to curate vibes for ladies while they choose to have their smoke breaks.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it so much. I was one of those 61% of women who hide their weed use. I smoke and I would hide it because of the stigma, because also my family has a history of addiction and my mom was very much like, don't do that. You never know what it's going to be laced with. It's going to fuck you up and that kind of stuff. And so it actually wasn't until... I recently, I had a book come out, a memoir, and it wasn't until that book that I was like talking freely about smoking weed and my... Mom and my sister and some family members read it. And I was just like, fuck it. They're just going to have to read that I smoke weed. And I did a little chapter explaining like how I got to that point. But it was still very hard for me to deal with that because I had been lying to my mom about smoking for a really long time. What are some of the stigmas or some of the negative you know, ideas that women were internalizing and keeping them from admitting that they smoked? I would say it would be two categories. So one is if you were a mom,
1: I've had a lot of mother followers and they just had to hide it from their families, friends, coworkers, because apparently there's this big stigma that you can't be a good mother if you smoke weed. So that was one big thing. A lot of moms just held that down because it's like, you know, I don't want somebody else's mom to judge me and think that like, I'm not here for my kids. And then the other half was just I don't want my coworkers or my friends or my family to think any less of me, which was so crazy in terms of why consuming a plant, why somebody would think you're less than, you know? So it's really just the judgment between friends, family, and coworkers. Mm-hmm. a woman experience. And it's weird because I'm a designer by profession and I'm used to an industry that glorifies alcohol. Like in my past offices like, around 3 p.m., the kegs were like being tapped and wine is starting to flow freely. And everybody's talking about what they're going to do for the weekend and how much they're going to drink. But like, God forbid, if you want to go outside and just like smoke a little joint just to, you know, take the edge off from a busy day, you're just like, whoa, what are you doing? How dare you? It's that stigma of, you know, why am I less than because I choose to consume something that is natural as opposed to drinking or even, you know, being addicted to prescription pills. So, it's pretty heavy.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that. That you know, there's a whole wine mom industry, right? Where you can go uh, on Etsy or you know any of these like t-shirt places, and you can get a little cute shirt that says wine mom or has some sort of little cute little pun that makes fun of the fact that a lot of mothers are turning to alcohol to cope with motherhood or parenthood. But it's something about mom smoking weed that makes. People just kind of cringe. I don't really know what that is beyond our history of it being illegal. Do you know about why America has made weed so illegal, so hard to get to in comparison to alcohol?
1: Well, unfortunately, with everything in America, there is always that undertone of that systemic racism. So we know that the war on drugs was done in this country really to tackle the black and brown men that white men feared were going to come in and and rape their white women because they're high off of this devil's lettuce. So, you know, the the reefer madness and and things really just that Reagan-Nixon era of we need to vilify a certain group. And we need to find some way of doing that. And, oh, what's better than this plant that they're bringing in already? Because, you know, we've been smoking cannabis for as long as I want to say humanity has been around. Like, you know, archaeologists are finding that, you know, it was used in so much of the things back in the days. And, you know, in different cultures, you'll find that there are a lot of sacred Herbs and medicines and plants that they use to, you know, get in touch with spirit and self. So cannabis is not new, you know, it it, it was just brought over like spices from our black and brown people. And that became the weapon to use to uh, vilify this group. So if we really tackle like, why is weed bad? It's weed is quote unquote bad because the white man had said it was bad. But if we look at it on a just plain, like this is a plant that has healing properties. This is a plant that, you know, I I like to say it's for fun, it's for play, but it's also for healing, it's for self-care. There's so many benefits to this plant And because a group of people decided that this was a bad thing, they've actually prevented years of in decades, even of studies that were, you know, we could have been tuning into this cannabis plant to see how it could continue to better our society. You know, like right now we're in this era where weed is legalized in some states and now psychedelics is the next big thing that's becoming just as legal and they're finding like oh my god did you know mushrooms it's pretty much helping with depression so it's like uh oh you know all of these natural remedies this is going to probably take out big pharma so we kind of have to keep it bad and make it illegal. So that's really the whole thing in this country. It's, it's rooted in racism and capitalism as to why it's really been this bad thing to consume.
0: Right. Because even the term jazz cigarettes is racist in, in, yes! its, in its basis because jazz musicians who were mostly black and brown people were smoking weed. And there was like this fear that you start smoking weed like the jazz musicians and then you become the sex maniac. And, yes. and and they were taking all the white women. Right. Um, so it's always like down to some sort of weird race and sex thing. We're going to come back to these tenets of healing, fun, play, and self-care. But I wanted to know, what was your first in real life exposure to weed?
1: I was exposed to weed probably. I, I will call myself like a late bloomer in terms of when I started consuming cannabis, I was around 21 and my partner he introduced it to me. And I have to say, I was one of those dear kids that I was like, oh no, like if I smoke weed, I'm going to be like under the influence. I'm not going to get anything done. I'm going to just melt in my seat and be horrible. So they got me. I was good off of that. I was also an athlete. So I really wasn't like looking at cannabis in my school, like teenage days. By the time I was in college though, I had started at the University of Connecticut thinking that I wanted to be a pharmacist, but then I was like, you know what? I'm really a creative at heart, so I think I need to move back to the city and go to an art school. Um, so it was during that transitional period of like college work in biochemistry being a little bit too much where my partner was like, listen, you need to like unwind here, try this. And I am like, you know, he's not melting into the couch. He's still productive. He's still able to get things done. So, like, I trust him. Like, he wouldn't give me something that would just fuck me up. And lo and behold, I consumed like for the first time at like 21 and it was amazing and it seemed like the moment I consumed the world changed because I didn't realize like how many of my girlfriends were smokers at that time and it was just like oh my god you guys were smoking behind my back and didn't invite me into these circles so (laughs) it was like the moment I started consuming I got connected more to certain people in my life um the plant helped bond and strengthen relationships and it really helps me at the time with my anxiety my stress like just everything that you experienced in college and then by the time I got to art school I was just like oh forget it everybody is fueled by cannabis like how can we not be so 21 was like the first time that I like dabbled and then I was just like oh there's no turning back from here I'm I'm gonna forever be a smoker
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think I smoked a couple of times in high school just to see and I would like fake being high or didn't really do anything. (laughs) But it wasn't until I was, I think, in my mid-20s that I tried it again and I got high for the first time. And I didn't realize that I was high until I found myself in front of my refrigerator eating shredded cheese out of the bag and just staring in the refrigerator like it was the television. And I was like, oh, I see. Yes. Okay. I got it.
1: (laughs) It's very interesting when you're first getting high because it's kind of like that. Okay. Am I high yet? Like, what do I expect? And it's not until you find yourself doing something completely like, wait, what am I doing that? It's like oh, this is what it means to be high. Because like, I understand, I I know a few people that I used to try to introduce to smoking and cannabis. And it would be like, you know, you have to fight your perception of what you think it's going to be like to be high versus just allowing your body to be high and just whatever happens, happens. So I can totally relate to that idea of like, You thinking you're high versus, oh, no, I'm standing in front of the fridge with it open for 20 minutes, just eating everything out of it. okay I think I'm high. I think this is what this is like.
0: And, you know, you just mentioned fighting the perceptions. And that's something that uh, I've also noticed, you know, that. Sometimes when I smoke, it makes me actually much more productive. I'll get up and I'm cleaning the house. Like, you know, of course, there are moments where I'm definitely like, no, I want to smoke. This is going to put me in the couch. That's going to have me melted into the floor. But for the most part, I found that I'm up and I'm washing my dishes. I'm cleaning up the kitchen. I am finally like writing right out my to do list or something like that. I think that's also something that people don't seem to understand that sometimes weed gives you the little push to like get shit done. Oh my gosh. It definitely does. We'll see. That is the thing that I feel like
1: as your relationship with cannabis matures, like I I like to say, you begin to realize how to use it to your advantage. So how I smoked in college is not how I smoke now. In college, I was just like, who has the weed? I'm going to pay for it. Um, <laughs> nowadays, I am my own cultivator. So I grow my own weed. So I just like your own produce. You know you know what you're putting in your soil and you know what you're putting in your body. But with that being said, it's more to it in just you know accepting weed. It's then now starting to understand like the classifications, which I still... Nowadays, I feel like they're a little outdated, but we'll get to that one day. But, you know, you have your sativa, your indica, and your hybrid classifications. And, you know, that alone will give you some type of benchmark as to how this is supposed to make you feel. So, you know, I'm a big smoking, get shit done thing. So I love sativas. I love things that give me a cerebral high as opposed to that full body high that makes you want to relax. But I tend to um, make sure that I have like a variety of strains and cultivars to pick from so that I know like, okay, I can't smoke this during the day because I won't be productive versus I'm able to smoke this right now in the morning. And this is like replacing coffee and I'm out here being like Wonder Woman. So it's like, you know, as you continue to grow with cannabis, you you really start to pay attention to how you want to feel as well as like, your attention behind like why you're choosing To consume right now, you have to let everybody grow into the conscious cannabis consumer that they are. You know, like when we first start out, it's just fun. You're like, oh my God, I am high. This is awesome. Let's eat everything. But as you're used to it and you've been smoking for years and decades, it's like, okay, no, this is part of my everyday life. And it being part of my everyday life, I need to be intentional about it. And I need to have a conscious reason as to why I'm doing it. So, you know, knowing your sativa versus your indica, or even nowadays with terpenes and understanding what terpenes are doing and which terpenes work for what things um, will help you be able to Get shit done if you want to get shit done or unwind if you want to unwind.
0: I tend to not smoke until I am finished with the day of what I need to do. Because, again, I prefer uh, body high so that I am relaxed and melting. Um, And then when I'm hanging with my friends, then we do sativa because I want to be giggly and kind of philosophically stupid and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) And also that's what I'll smoke when when I'm like, okay, I know I need to get these dishes done, let me just hit this real quick. Do you remember your first significant moment of inequity, inequality, and weed discourse and like seeing, oh, this is really unfair to women, unfair to other marginalized people? Well,
1: it's twofold. So one, I'm in New York City where, you know, it's always been, well, for the most part, it's been illegal, So I come from the traditional market or what other people might refer to as the black market. So just being around that market, it's very male dominated and, you know, having to go through a bud man to get my, my weed, as opposed to going into a dispensary, you know, you start to realize as a woman, like maybe I don't want to deal with like this sexual harassment every time I want to like cop. Um, So that's why I one started to grow because it's like, just cut out the middleman and just be your own weed person. But I, I really got to see how women were treated in the traditional market. So like smoke break is always like my safe haven for ladies to, you know, I give you rules on quote unquote, how to deal with these fuckboy dealers. I show you what to look for in the what's good weed versus what's bad weed. Um, I really just show you how to navigate the traditional market as a woman, because even though we are the fastest consumers in the cannabis space, we aren't really treated that way in the traditional market. So there's that hand. But then on the other hand, I have gone to Cali And I have gone to places where weed is recreationally legal. And my mind has just been like, oh, my God, are you fucking serious? You then find out, okay, well, what if I wanted to enter this space? Like, what do I need to do? How do I get in? And then you start to see the capital barriers that keep us out. Like, I know when medicinal weed became legal in New York, even though it's non-flower touching, like you can't have flower at the time they were having like edibles and tinctures, you needed a million dollars in liquid assets to even be qualified to get a license. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, well, who the fuck has like a million dollars in liquid assets just laying around that could just be like, oh no, I'm good, here, let's do this. So I started to like look over to the West side and seeing that, you know, people of color are still facing these barriers where they're like, oh, congratulations, we're, we're legal here. Um, we're going to be fair to everybody. And yet at the same time, it's the quote unquote chads that are coming through and getting these licenses. Once again, just making this a, a white male dominated industry across the board, whether traditional or uh, legal. So those were my two barriers that I came across in terms of one, like, you know, Cannabis is very male dominated, but it's crazy because women smoke weed. Like I know a lot of women that are consumers and, you know, it's just like, what about us? Why, why are we getting targeted and marketed with all of these sexy women? Like, we don't care about that. Like, you know, are we like lost and forgotten in this world? And then just as a black woman, as a black person, just seeing that, okay, even if I did want to break away from the traditional market and enter the legal It's so many barriers and so many things, you know, a lot of people have gone to jail. So it's like, that might be a thing that's holding us back, you have a record, or you just don't have the capital to play the game. So it's a lot of bullshit. And so My stance with Smoke Break is really, I like to call myself in the brand like the anti-hero. We're not for the traditional or the legal, we're for you. And I and Smoke Break will do whatever we can to make you that educated, conscious consumer. So whichever market you have to go to, whether it's the traditional or the legal nobody's going to play you like an idiot. You're going to know what like good weed looks like. You're going to know what prices you should be paying for. You're going to know what to look out for. Like, I am here for the woman first and foremost. Yes, I love it.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember friends talking about how when it was much more stigmatized, it was still very difficult to even grow your own because purchasing the equipment that you needed would set off some sort of alert, you know, and it it could raise an alert to the government or whoever might be looking out for these things um, and put you on kind of a watch list. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're being raided or whatever.
1: Well, it's weird because I've seen raids happen in California where it's like, Oh, okay. That was a whole house that you rented out and turned into a grow house. So, you know, I, I always tell people like in New York, you would be surprised how many people are minding their business, growing their weed with the internet and e-commerce. You could buy all of your grow equipment off of Amazon and Amazon sells so much shit that like, I don't know anybody that's ever set off anything to, you know, to have any type of raid. And that's the other thing too, that I feel like when People hear that, like, oh my God, somebody grows weed, they probably automatically think of like the show weeds and think that somebody is like running like this big operation. Like that is, that's no. Um, your average person will be fine with a, a like a small two by four. Tent, you can grow two to three plants or one big plant and it would be enough to keep you and maybe your roommates or friends high. Like I'm not running like this big operation. I'm not trying to be like a kingpin. And I'm not trying to fund the traditional market. I'm growing personally for myself. So what I order is not going to raise any awareness because it's like, I know people that grow their own vegetables inside. And for the most part, the things you need to grow, say tomatoes or hot peppers in your house is the same things that you can grow cannabis with. So, you know, maybe back in the day, there was this like big thing of like, you know, oh my God, you're, you're ordering this. So like, we're going to watch you. But nowadays the horticulture industry is really for self-sustainability. So they're really pushing people, especially at during the pandemic, like, yo, grow your own food. So I feel like if you have to buy the supplies that you need to grow weed, it's not going to like ring off any bells because like you're growing for you. You're not trying to start an enterprise. Now, if you're out here making orders with like 18 lights and things like that, that, <laughs> that might, you know, like that might raise some bells if Amazon's dropping off like a whole bunch of boxes, like, you you know, if you have nosy neighbors, but I would see your average person that, you know, just wants to be able to take control of their cannabis. Your little setup would cost like no more than like $500 and you'll be fine. And under any radars, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully.
0: (laughs) I want to get back to um, cannabis as healing and self-care. I know that I use... CBD balms and sometimes suppositories to help with period pain. I've got my mom who, again, is just so anti—she just calls everything dope. but She's so anti-dope. But I've got her using CBD lotion and creams on her hands for her arthritis. Like, she has really bad arthritis. And as soon as her hand kind of cramps up into to the point that she can't use it anymore, she just, you know, rubs it in or has, you know, one of us, her kids, rub the cream in her hand And her hand, like, relaxes within a minute. And so she has been well convinced that at least CBD lotion is good for her. And she'll, you know, when she's running low, she'll call me and be like, I need some more of that marijuana lotion. And I'm like, it's not marijuana, mama. I love it. I love it. But how has it helped you with some of your own healing and self-care practices? For me, I tend to
1: prefer the full spectrum, so I don't really isolate my CBD from my THC. I try to have um, a strain that has both THC and CBD for that full spectrum, but I too have put on so many grandmothers and mothers to some amazing CBD topicals because, you know, I feel like definitely like with the older community, it's reefer, it's joints, it's dope. So it's like, all right, well, we're not going to have you consume anything, but are you aching right now? Are you in pain? Here, try this. And I find, you know, with the older folks, we have to explain to them the whole purpose of the endocannabinoid system. You know, I have to constantly like remind my grandmother, you know, you, you have a whole system in your body that makes its own cannabinoids. So it's like when you give it more cannabinoids, it's just like, oh, thank you, sis. Now we're able to function even better. Don't look at it as a drug, look at it as a medicine. Like if you have to go to the pharmacy and get your blood pressure pills and and whatnot, this is just something else that's gonna help medicate you. And I know for me personally, like you said, you know, with the cramps, anytime I have pain, um, I'm always just amazed at how fast certain strains of CBD are able to work. To relieve that. And I'm always amazed at, you know, introducing an older generation to CBD. They are able to see it like. Mm -hmm. And so I know for me, the CBD has really been what I've used to help heal others and let them know the wonders of the plant. But for myself, I try to do the, the full spectrum of both CBD and THC.
0: And what would you recommend or what would you tell people who are still just like, no, it's illegal for a reason. You're going to turn into some, I don't know, knife wielding degenerate if you smoke weed. I'm not going to do it. It's terrible. I would say to
1: do your research in terms of like, I know what we were taught during our elementary and and schooling years, but there is now so much research going out and being put out that are showing the benefits of cannabis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know a lot of people tend to be turned off from the idea of smoking. And, and, And I always say, you know, like you don't have to consume that way. There are different ways that you can get CBD in your body, you know, there's topicals, there's gummies, there's just different ways, but you know, you don't have to look at the cannabis as something that you need for leisure and recreation. If you are out here and you are experiencing pain and you're suffering from something Look at CBD brands that can help. Like, I know there's a lot of ladies that have like joint pains or migraines. And, you know, there are CBD companies that are like, listen, I hear you, sis, try this tincture just put it in your coffee or your water and and see how you feel. So, I would just tell people that think that you're going to turn into a zombie and you're going to be like lazy. Okay, well, no. <laughs> I I just want you to do your own research and for you personally, find something that you want to heal yourself with and see if there is a cannabis product that can begin that healing process.
0: Right, cuz I think it's notable when we think about the stereotypes of weed smokers, you know, like who gets to be the fun stoner and who gets to be the criminal. And, you know, when you ask people to look at those examples of weed users, they kind of see it and then they don't want to because then they have to, you know, fully reflect on the matter at hand. People don't always want to be exposed to the light, shall we say.
1: Right, right. And, you know, and I get it. Like, there are going to be some people that like, well, it's illegal, so therefore it's bad. But, you know, hopefully as more states open up, And, you know, just being that it's now legal, I hope that will turn some people to being like, all right, well, if it's legal in New York, New York City, like (laughs) how bad, like New York, I didn't expect that they would be like, no, it's fine. You guys can smoke your weed here, but it's legal here. So it's like, that kind of makes you want to like, well, why was it illegal in the first place? Mm -hmm. You know? And my whole thing too, with that legal versus illegal, it's like, if you think about it, once upon a time, slavery was legal. So I say that to say, just because your government has told you that this is bad. I want you to do your own research. And, and we're in an age of information. You can go on the internet, you can go on YouTube, and you can find out the benefits of this plant and all of its glory, THC, CBD, and really start to educate yourself on, okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to be a smoker. I don't want to do the THC, but I do have a lot of pain and maybe the CBD can help. So yeah,
0: be your own person, do your own research. Exactly. Like you mentioned earlier, you have to figure out how it can fit into your lifestyle and the ways that it works best for you.
1: Definitely. And can I add something too? It's like, I like to say that cannabis is an enhancer. Okay, so if you are already a person that like is a bullshitter, you are already chilling on your couch and you're not doing anything, you're going to smoke and you're going to be like, I'm definitely chilling on my couch. Like, you know, so especially like how like, you know, the media likes to portray like these stoners like. I know so many successful cannabis consumers that are out here doing it. And at the same time, I do know people that it's like, well, maybe you should not smoke. But once again, that doesn't speak to what the cannabis is doing. It speaks to the person. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, you got to know yourself. You got to know that if you can't handle a drink because you're going to want the whole bar. So that's why you don't drink. Then that's fine. If you know that, like, you have the type of personality where it might turn into an addiction and you don't want to even, you know, put yourself onto that, that's fine. But I just want everybody to know that, like, smoking is not going to make you dumb down. It's not going to make you be unmotivated. It's not going to do any of that that we were taught and in, in all of that propaganda.
0: Mm. What are two or three of your favorite? pop culture weed recommendations Um, if somebody wants to watch a certain movie or a tv show that's weed centered what would you recommend them just for fun
1: okay see it's weird because
0: i love
1: and hate the pop culture weed because (laughs) everything i just said they're gonna be like girl you about to have me watch something that's just showing me that i'm gonna be like on the couch chilling but obviously um you have to have the half-baked I personally, you know, even though people don't like some of the actors, I always love Pineapple Express. That's just a really good, um, Mm -hmm. cute little movie. And last but not least, I would say Broad City. I loved that series because it was, one, nice seeing women in weed. We don't really get to see women be smokers and, and have fun and be carefree. So Broad City was that for me. But at the same time, like, I would love to see more Black women being able to just be high out their minds and doing creative things. But those top three, the Half Baked, Pineapple Express, Broad City, great places to start.
0: Yeah, I loved Broad City. I loved Half Baked. I love Pineapple Express. I love all okay, of those. There we so, go. Yeah. That's, that. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Laura, for joining me today. Do you have any last thoughts that you wanted to make sure that you hit on? I do. You're, you're, it's
1: just the last thought that I'm going to need you to submit a smoke break playlist because I need to know the type of vibe that you smoke to (laughs) when you're like ready to like unwind. So that's all I'm going to say. And you and any other women out here just doing amazing things. I'm always open for submissions to playlists. Um, I love to just learn about ladies through their musical choices as well as their favorite strains. So, All my Smoke Break information will be in the show notes. Visit the site, submit a playlist, check out all the other playlists and
0: roll up and enjoy. I love it. I love making playlists. So you are on. I will get that playlist to you as soon as I can. Uh, Where can our listeners find you when they're looking for you online? So you can find me at Smoke Break Co and that's S M K.
1: B-R-K-C-O There's no vowels in Smoke Break I'm Smoke Break Co. on both Instagram and Twitter and you can just visit SmokeBreak.co to learn more about
0: Smoke Break Excellent, thank you Thank you We are at the point in the episode where I recommend something you can enjoy without a lick of shame or guilt, the indulgence. Today, I'm recommending jewelry, or rather, a return to jewelry. If you know me away from the microphone, you know I love a good pair of hoop earrings. Like, if I were to have an open casket funeral, I would want to be buried in hoop earrings, for a long time, that's pretty much the only jewelry that I would wear. Now, I used to wear rings and bracelets and necklaces, but I've lost them over the years from, like, moving or being extra dramatic and throwing shit away, like, out the car or something. Don't worry about it. Or just, like, because the latches were faulty and I lost them, you know? And then I didn't really have the money to replace them because I'm kind of a snob when it comes to body jewelry. like. My earrings can be cheap. It doesn't really matter for me. But if it's like rings and the bracelets and the necklaces, I want them to have real gems and be made from gold and sterling silver or whatever, right? But I recently bought myself two rings, one as another reward for writing the book. I really have been treating myself, okay? Just, I love it. And then I got a sterling silver clodic ring while I was in Ireland as a souvenir, It's really sweet. The shop owner proposed to me when he gave me the ring. Uh, He was much older. And uh, that's a story for another day. But I got these rings and I I love them. They really reminded me of, you know, when I was younger and I used to wear jewelry and I used to wear rings all the time. And, you know, they're not necessarily very fancy. They're not very expensive. But I love remembering how I used to let myself shine. And so now I'm shining again for myself. So I wonder if maybe you have something that you used to do for yourself, something that has slowly fallen away from you. I would suggest you try it again. See if it's still a part of you. And if not, that's totally fine. It doesn't have to be. But if you feel like something's missing from you, from the you used to be and the you you want to return to, maybe you can get it back just for yourself. This has been your indulgence. You have been absolved. This is Good For You is hosted by me, Nicole Perkins, and produced by Multitude. Our lead producer is Eric Silver. Our editor is Brandon Grugel. And our executive producers are Amanda McLaughlin and me. Our theme was created by Don Will, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. You can follow the show at This Is Good Pod, and you can follow me at Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's T N, whiskey with an E, woman. And a huge, huge thank you to everyone who supports the show on Patreon, especially to our supporting producer level patrons, Chelsea, Conchetta, Courtney, and Elizabeth. To get exclusive rewards like stickers, monthly playlists curated by me, and even custom drabbles written just for you, Join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash thisisgoodpod. This was good for me. Was it good for you?